Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing's podcast number 103 on February 16th of 2023. Today, I'll be answering 11 interesting investment questions received in the last week. Question number one. What are some good U.S. stocks to buy for income? Out of 16,000 stocks available in North America, there are 106 that have been chosen as the best for income and growth. They are analyzed and scored in the book, New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividend Stocks. It is available from Amazon.com as both an ebook and in print. Ideally, you would want to choose 20 stocks from these 106 for your portfolio. This reference book can reduce the time required to build a strong portfolio to a few hours. To make it easy, the stocks are sorted by score, price, and dividend yield percent. For each stock, there are two pages of data on each stock displaying 11 key data items making up their score, plus share price and dividend payout records going back each year to 1999. This allows you to find those stocks with the best ever-increasing dividend price and dividend payouts. Question number two. Are there any benefits in buying a stock that pays out most of their profit as dividends? The purpose of a company is to make a profit. Shares in a company are sold to raise money to develop that company. Many buy the shares with the understanding that the profits will be shared with the investors. This sharing is via dividends. If the company chooses to distribute most of their profits via dividends, this encourages others to buy shares of that company, which often causes the share prices to increase. While the executives of the company have control over how much they pay out in dividends, they do not control the speculators who buy the shares. They can only influence them. Thus, if you own financially strong companies who pay high dividends, you can expect your dividend payments every year to increase, even in the years when market crashes occur and temporarily slow down the growth in share price. Companies whose strategies to pay out most of their profits and dividends are preferred to those companies who take the profits and buy back their own company shares. This manipulation of share prices is a ploy to make the gullible believe that there must be a big demand for that company's shares. Question number three. If the company doesn't get the money when I sell their stock, does this make the company's stock value increase? 
The stock exchange is an exchange. It is an auction vehicle. When you sell a stock, you're exchanging your ownership of a share for money paid by the speculator who is buying that share. There is no direct connection to the company whose shares are being traded by that stock exchange, other than that company keeping a record of who now owns their shares. Share prices go up and share prices go down depending on what price at this second that a selling speculator accepted a bid for the stock from a buying speculator. With millions of shares being traded between speculators every day, it is impossible to accurately predict what the price will be tomorrow, next week, or next year. Pessimistic speculators sell stocks. Optimistic speculators buy stocks. The price only changes when the price being bid is attractive enough to the optimists for them to buy that stock. Question number four. What is a good book on investing in the stock market that shows me how to make money? I always hesitate to answer this question. Over the years, I've read dozens of books about investing in stocks. Most seem to have been written by academics and investment advisors trying to impress academics and investment advisors with their investment jargon as they promote some obscure, complicated investment strategy based on charting, buying options, and other risky ventures that will make you rich. All I was looking for in an investment book was a simple, straightforward, real information that showed me how to find financially strong companies who would supply me with a safe, consistent income and that would grow steadily over time. I never found such a book. After I figured out how to be a successful self-directed investor, I was approached by an 80-year-old widow who had lost $300,000 that her financial advisor had invested for her. When I examined her monthly investment statements, all I could see were investments that would enrich the investment advisor, not her. She was a friend who had helped me in the past. She now needed help. Over three months, I taught her everything I knew. Over many more months, she recovered all the money she had lost. Her portfolio grew. She even doubled her monthly income. Knowing I was a writer, she then pushed me to write a book that she could pass on to help others. I did write that book. It was called Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. Since then, I've written four other investment books. All my investment books are available at Amazon.com. You can learn more about my books at my website. I'm glad I wrote those books because every day I hear back from readers 
who tell me that what I wrote gave them the confidence to become self-directed investors. They are pleased with their steady dividend incomes and growth in their portfolios. Question number five. What was the biggest stock market loss you've ever had and how did you cope with it? The biggest stock market loss I've ever experienced was about $300,000. It came from the mutual funds an investment advisor had put my life savings into. That loss showed me that I did not have a clue what the mutual fund was invested in and that I had zero control over this money. I had bought the BS that mutual funds were safe and do not lose money. This loss also showed that despite this financial advisor being president of a securities company and having decades of experience, that he was no genius at investing. He was just a salesman. The epiphany made me distrust the investment advice of anyone until I have done my own research on an investment. I vowed to never allow anyone but myself touch my money again. I was thus forced to learn how to invest safely as a self-directed investor. To help me, I built stock scoring software that sorts financially strong companies paying high dividends from the most to the least desirable. I had had decades of experience in building commercial risk systems and scores. My analysis showed that I should limit my portfolio to no more than 20 of the best companies I could find. Over the last 20 years, my approach has worked well. I rarely need to make changes to a portfolio. The portfolio is many multiples higher than when I started, despite extracting a very generous dividend income from my portfolio every year. This way of investing sure beats the advice that the financial advisor gave me of liquidating 4% of my mutual fund portfolio every year to live on, and when I retired, he projected that I would not run out of money until I was 90. Question number six. What is the best method of predicting when to best sell a stock? It is not a matter of predicting when to sell a stock. Only a speculator who is intent upon buying low and selling high would ask such a question. If your objective is to buy shares in financially strong companies whose dividend payments you can live on, then you only buy strong stocks you intend to never sell. To buy such stocks, you score them on strength. I use software that helps me sort such stocks from the most to the least desirable. The score is out of 100. 
I avoid stocks scoring under 50. If a stock I own falls below a score of 50 and at the same time the dividend yield percent falls below 5%, I then start a search for a better scoring stock paying a higher dividend to replace it. This rarely ever happens. This is a stress-free way to invest. Question number seven. Is it too late to start investing in stocks? Why is it too late to invest in stocks? Share prices go up, share prices go down. Market crashes occur about every five years. You'll go through several in your lifetime. It is not difficult to find stocks whose share prices have increased steadily for the last 20 years. They may dip in a market crash, but rise to new record high prices after. Their dividend payouts will often rise steadily even during the market crash. Why? Because dividends come from profits, and profits come from the wise revenue and expense decisions of a company's executives. This is unlike share prices, which are controlled by the sometimes illogical, emotional decisions of optimistic and pessimistic speculators bidding against each other. There is never a time when it is too late to invest in financially strong, well-managed companies. What I do is teach people how to find such companies. It isn't difficult. Question number eight. Do billionaires live off the dividends from their shares, or do they just sell off enough shares to live on? If you have a high dividend income, you will pay income tax on that income. This might mean losing 40% of it to income tax. If you sell stocks and receive a capital gain, you also need to pay income tax on that capital gain. However, as a high worth billionaire, it is possible for you to borrow millions of dollars and pay interest on that borrowed money of perhaps 5% or even less on what lenders see as a fully secured loan. This becomes a very attractive option to losing 40% of your income to income tax. As time goes by and your assets appreciate, the money you borrowed shrinks in real current dollars thanks to inflation. You may decide to never retire that loan. It would then be deducted from your estate when you die. No income, no tax. As a billionaire, you could also renounce your U.S. citizenship and establish residency in an income tax-free tax haven like Bermuda or a dozen other tax shelters around the world. Bermuda is a good choice because you're only about an hour's flight out of New York. This is commuting distance 
for wealthy Bermudians who think nothing of flying in to New York for a day of shopping. Billionaires understand interest rates and how to avoid the negatives of taxable income. Question number nine. When a company goes bankrupt, where does the money go that was invested? Companies go bankrupt because they owe money to creditors that they are unable to pay. The trustee in bankruptcy liquidates the company and pays off the company's debts. Usually, there is not enough money to pay all the creditors. If there was any money left over, it would then be distributed to the investors. Over many decades, I can remember only hearing of one bankruptcy where there was any money left for investors. Most companies are small, limited companies that when they fail, they do not go bankrupt because it costs money to go bankrupt. The owners of these companies abandon what they invested and walk away. There's nothing left to liquidate. The unpaid creditors write off the debt and vow to be more selective in who they sell to. Question number 10. Is there a risk in investing money in foreign stocks? Hundreds of foreign stocks are safely traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Many are much stronger than the stocks included in the Standard & Poor 500 Index, which excludes foreign stocks. According to the reference book, New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividend Stocks analyzed and scored, the companies paying the highest dividend yields are mostly foreign companies. Several of these strong foreign companies are paying dividends greater than 9%. All these foreign companies must comply with U.S. Security Exchange Commission's rules and regulations. The New York Stock Exchange is the largest securities exchange in the world and dwarfs any other stock exchange. It is truly the world's stock exchange. It is not unusual to see stocks trading over 100 million shares in a day. Question number 11. Which is the best indicator of which direction a stock is heading? Is it stock price or dividend yield? Dividends are derived from profits. Profits are derived from the revenue and expense decisions made by the executives of a company. The purpose of a company is to make a profit, not to benefit stock speculators. Profits do influence these speculators to buy. Optimistic speculators who think share prices are going up buy stocks from pessimistic speculators who think share prices are going down. With possibly millions of transactions taking place between optimists and pessimists, there is no accurate, immediate way to determine which way shares are going to go. Dividend payouts increase faster than share prices. By looking at decades of dividend payments 
you will see that share prices follow dividend payouts over several years. Historical share price and dividend payout records are easily available to confirm this. It is not unusual to see dividend payouts increasing during the 2000, 2008 and 2020 market crashes when almost all shares fell. Most stock companies recover after each crash and reach new share price record highs. Thus, the best indicator is to identify financially strong companies. The quickest way to find such companies is to look for those paying high dividends. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.